Reaching Beyond Mediocrity, Being an Overcomer by Paul Bucknell. How do you learn to break through and find enough encouragement to go on? Lesson one is on Establishing Hope, produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation. It's wonderful to see God is working and what God is doing here and in other lands. You'll be surprised. I don't know if I'll have time to share these things, but God is working where there is no church before. There's actually a, a great growing church now. And it's just, uh, it always excites me because Jesus is coming. He's preparing his church worldwide for his glorious return. Tonight um, and tonight, tomorrow, I'll be going over this particular topic, reaching beyond mediocrity, being an overcomer. You'll see in the bottom right corner there, a discipleship too. What that basically means is, uh, I'll introduce that more later, is that there's three levels of discipleship uh, where people grow through. And this focuses on the second level and what God wants to do in our lives at that particular level. Or, as a discipler, how God wants to use us to help others grow at that particular stage. Well, I'm really excited about this series because... A lot of it is somewhat my history. I didn't have anyone training me, and I went through a lot of difficulties. And I battled for years and years over different sorts of problems. Of course, still working through problems. Tomorrow I'm going to talk about anxiety. I hope you're there. I'll share maybe more of some of my stories, uh, what it means to live by faith, the honor that you get to battle with warrior all the time and see how that works. But. Uh, it's, it's special because God is a God who reveals himself and speaks to our very lives, speaks to our very lives, our needs, and to see him work, to see what he wants to do in our lives. I know we've prayed, but I'd just like to pray again as we step into this series. Okay. Lord, we thank you that you're the almighty God. Come now in our midst in a great way that we could know of your presence Know of your working power in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our small groups. Lord, we want you in your fullness. Oh, Father, reveal your great love that we would never be missing out on who you are and what you want to do in our lives. Bless and teach us this evening. In Christ we pray. Amen. Our first chapter that we'll be looking at is uh, Establish Hope. It's very important that God actually begins to work in our hope, helping us to understand because whether we show it or not, often there are problems in our life that we don't really know how to deal with. And we look hopeful maybe to others, but down deep we have a little some questions. I'll just read a few of them. You know, there's one area of my life that holds me back from really being you know, fully used by God, how do I break through on that area? Or I, I want to grow spiritually, but I really don't know what that means. I'm spiritually low right now. How do, how do I get back to where I was? Or I've, how, I've heard how God blesses some individuals. I, you know, I wish I could grow like that. Right. I would really like to disciple others, but it scares me. I'm confused. I don't know what to say to them. 
You know, some of these questions, if we don't find answers, what we often find is hopelessness. Because we don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. Now, our Christian's life starts at what we call a spiritual birth, rebirth, where we are born again. And it grows. There's a lot of focus on churches often bringing people into the family of God. And, you know, with eight children, and some of you have eight children. I've met a couple, uh, not here, but other, other places. And, you know, that birth is uh, so celebratory, right? Where we have all these special celebrations, people congratulate you, and, and things like that. And the same thing in the church, where we're bringing people into the family. But life, and spiritual life too, it, though it begins, it grows. It's never something just to celebrate the beginning, but to be able to nurture, grow, develop every single believer. It's a challenge. And we often thrust a lot of resources at the beginning, but those resources, that focus, drop off very quickly as a Christian goes on. We're often content. Someone just comes to church, but that doesn't mean they're growing spiritually. And often those that come, they're not growing. Attendance is not the same thing as growth. And that's part of our question, isn't it? What does it mean to grow? What is it that God wants to do in our life? It's a process. And as we gain a better perspective of that process, you'll see what God actually wants to do at each stage of development. But the great thing about it is that God is not only at work when he causes us to be born again, but all the way through our lives. We are never alone. As Jesus said in Matthew 28, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. From 1 Peter 1, 23 to 25, it says this, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all is glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is a word that was preached to you. Now pay attention. This summarizes a whole lot of things about the new birth. When did you come to know the Lord? You heard the word of God preached to you. Now it's not just a preacher's preaching. It's the word of God that we're just passing along. We're just vessels passing that word of God. And God's spirit takes that word as a seed and it adds water to that seed and that plant grows. So he is likening our spiritual life to a seed that you add water and it begins to grow. That's each one of us that have generally come to know God has had that experience. Now some of us are very clear. We know the day, we know the hour. Some of us not so clear. My wife grew up in a Sunday school class and she remembers talking to the teacher, but you know, it's way in the past. God spoke to me in a very special, different way. I, I know exactly, you know, that afternoon when God worked in my life. But the more important than all this is knowing that there was something significant that changed. And that's where we got our new nature, a new life, okay? A, a seed, if it's not come to life yet, doesn't have that life. You add that water and something magic happens, right? That, that seed starts to burst forth out of the coating and it grows. And that's when it has life. So the new believer 
All of a sudden, you have desire for God's word. Where did that come from? I, you know, I like to be with God's people. He said, well, I, I, never, I used to just maybe come, but now I want to be. I have to be there. And you see, these are the signs that something's happening in my life. That's the new life. You see, with a whole new set of desires, uh, an appetite of, of wanting to know God's word, and of course, just to thank God, to worship him. All this is part of that spiritual growth. Now, let me just go over some facts for us. So spiritual, it's somewhat a little bit summary. Spiritual life is like a seed that grows. Doesn't stop. Every seed is meant to grow up and up and up until when? It keeps growing until what? The scriptures say this a lot, by the way. Until it bears fruit. Yeah. Do you see what God has envisioned in every one of our lives? Not just that we're here. Oh, but that God's Spirit can work in such a way that He can replicate the love of God from our own lives into the lives of others. That is exciting. Now, it just starts small, though, and you say, maybe that's just where we're at. That's okay. But have that hope. What God began is what God is doing now. Now, our, our life starts small, it grows. Now, somehow, something's holding us back. Frustration will grow. Because life is normal. I, I want you to say, can you say that with me? Life is normal. Yeah. So spiritual life and growth, that's just the way it's supposed to be. Now, it's very important to remember the Holy Spirit is key to our new life. Now, we read about this, and I read it at some other verses. Like, if I compare John 3, he also talks about being born again. And there he stresses the Holy Spirit's presence more. Now, what is, what's happening here is that God actually lives in our life through the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's key. It's, it's, the Holy Spirit is linked with that new life. That's the whole spiritual life that's in there. And that's why we nurture the, whole, uh, the Lord and the Word and we just grow more and more. So God's word, as we read from 1 Peter, is living. What does that mean? It moves around, jumps. <laughs> it does things, okay? And it does things even beyond our control. Yes, it does. And it wonderfully shapes our life. But it, it does, just like our lives. We have genes in us from little on, and it controls the growth of all of our cells and our whole being. Well, the Holy Spirit has also a model, and he's shaping us to be a what? Like Jesus. That's his goal. And he's not going to stop. He's just going to go, go, go. So God wants us to grow in relationship to him. He's not thinking when we grow in our spiritual life that there's all these different individuals. He's always thinking about it as in a relationship with him. So we... We can grow, but actually, as much as we nurture our relationship with God, that relationship will be uh, properly growing. If we try to separate our life apart from God, we're going to feel dry, dull, boring, and problematic. By the way, um, tomorrow, hopefully, we'll have some time for questions. So if you have some questions, you want to write them down, give them to the pastor or someone in the back, and we'll you know, pick out some of those questions and work through them, okay? Uh, also, hopefully tomorrow, I'll get some more pictures of my family. I can't bring them, but I brought a few pictures. 
and I'll show those to you. I grew up in Boston, which is um, just north of Boston, is on near the coast, and I, I loved biking. We had some nice smaller roads along the coast, and it was just wonderful to bike. But one thing I, I knew very early on is that during certain times of the day, certain gusts, wind from the ocean, would blow one way or blow the other way. I can still remember at times, it's like I can take the, my hands off the handlebars and I'm just soaring, highly pedaling. The wind's just blowing me along. On the other time, hand, I can also think of times when I did not time it right. Ah. <laughs> you know, just, it's like I'm using all my energy and I'm not going anywhere. Currents. Flowing currents. I want you to think about that because it's so important. I want you to think of the life that we've been talking about, that spiritual new life, as something that's flowing along. You have a river, you take a leaf, a twig, something, you drop it on that river, do you know what's going to happen? Sure. It's going to go down. Does that leaf have to do anything? No. It's being born. It's just going wherever the river goes. I want us to think of our spiritual life in the same way. God is working. As long as we work with God, growth is natural and easy. Yes, we'll go through trials. But in, even in those times, we will be reassured, encouraged, challenged. Jesus says, I am with you even to the end of the age. If you remember the book of Joshua, you should remember one thing. That the victory was already settled. For Joshua, even though he had all those wars and battles, even the one of Jericho, remember? The battle was all settled. It wasn't meant to be so hard and difficult that we would fail, fail, oh, and, and fall again, and fall again. It wasn't like that. And neither does God picture our life like that. Now, we might fall, and he's made provision through Jesus Christ dying on the cross that we can confess us, and he'll forgive us of all our sins. That's true. <laughs> we will continually avail ourselves, as it says in 1 John 2, verses 1 to 2. Christ is our propitiation. But if you really want to know what God means for us, Stay with us and stay tuned because this is where we're talking about reaching beyond mediocrity. We're being an overcomer. We're learning what principles, knowledge, and experience we need to know to regularly overcome rather than falling down here, falling down here. Now that was a lot of my Christian life. So the Spirit is working in us, and He purposes to grow us. And this growth will never stop in our Christian lives. Even though we talk about three stages or levels, no, it still keeps growing and unfolding into more and more deep intimacy with Christ in that third stage. Now the whole concept that I'm talking about, three stages, I want to introduce briefly here, not too much, but
but so you have some context. From 1 John 2, 12 to 14, John himself writes to the church. He alludes to what he wrote before, and then he's also writing again. Notice the three groups. I'll mark, whoops, it's off here. Three groups, you'll have to find them on your own. Children, young men, here it is, and fathers. John is using an analogy of life, physical development and growth, to help us understand spiritual life. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Then he starts over again, the same three. I've written to you, children, because you know the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. We will be largely focusing on that last verse, verse 14. Notice, I've written to you, young men. Now, he's not just designating men as males alone. Uh, this is alluding to our spiritual lives for both for men and women. So though he mentioned fathers, you can think of mothers too. But he's actually using it to refer to those older Christians, not older in age, but more mature in their Christian development. Sometimes you find older Christians, but they haven't developed. But this is where we're focused. Young men, because you are strong, because the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So let's think about this. I'm, I'm going to kind of summarize it in these three big numbers, one, two, and three. Because what we want to know here is that God works with people in our lives differently, with different goals, short-term goals, at each stage. Okay? At each stage. Now, it's just like life itself. If you have a little baby, how, what do you do? Well, you hold the little baby. Do I do that to my 18-year-old son? No, he can hold me. It's quite different. We help feed a baby. We, we don't feed it. You know, the older... Do, do, you know, things are changing. A little baby needs to be carried because his legs aren't fully mobilized. But, you know, the, the young guy, <laughs> strong, he said, you know, you can see how he's alluding to that. But so the discovering love is what's happening with the baby. Just think, receiving attention, constant care, help. And what's that little baby learning? Acceptance, trust. Can I trust those people out there? Do they care for me when I have a need? Yes. And that's exactly what God wants to do early on in our Christian life. And why personal discipleship is so important at that stage. Because you are personally passing on God's love in such a way that that person knows God loves them. And will not be shaken by the evil one that will try to upset that. Stage two, establishing hope. That's where the young man, the young believers, develop a great confidence the power of God's word. We'll go into that more. And strengthening faith, where we have a deeper and deeper intimacy with God. The path of discipleship. At each stage, you can identify how God works with the individual, 
and work along with them. Now, we're, as I said, we'll be focused on stage two, and so already I'm starting to focus in a little bit on what God wants to do in our lives at that stage. What we need to do to be an overcomer. Because God wants us... I mean, how long is a person a young person? Just temporary. It's never meant that a young person always stays a young person. I mean, you might like to. I volunteered. Yeah, probably a lot of volunteers. Already too late for me. Uh, but it, it doesn't happen. And neither does it spiritually. Should it? We should just keep growing. But things have to take place before we go into what we call a spiritual adulthood. Though that word is a little bit, uh, well, I, I suppose it's okay. But it sounds too permanent, and it sounds like it's not growing. Okay, so uh, as we focus on this verse 14, I want to just share, and you'll find that uh, most of you have little booklets uh, with a chart. This chart's a little bit different than that one. On the left, page three, there's a, a dotted line. On the right, there's a dotted line. So the three circles inside the dotted lines are the three that we've been talking about. Okay? Now the dotted lines are just symbolizing on the far left the seekers that are not yet part of God's family. And the far right is just talking about the leaders that develop from that one father stage. We just did it for clarity to keep our mind in perspective about leadership. Leadership is not a fourth stage. It is part of the father stage, the third stage. But what it is assuring us is that the leaders need to develop through this process. And as you become a father, what happens? What does it make a father? That he has children and that he cares for them. So that's what you can just think of what a leader is, right? That's exactly what it is. It's a small group leader. He nurtures leaders, brings people to faith, nurtures them, encourages them. All right, so let's think about the path of growth. And this is, I'm just trying to encourage you uh, to understand overall what's happening in this second stage of development. So our, our goal is to develop our hope into a strong confidence. So we know God's word will never fail me. This is important. I know God is always there with me no matter what I face. And so that strong confidence, that's my goal. Because once you have that confidence, Satan cannot easily shake you. Now we start off, yeah, we're, we're closer to the child stage, right? Because we're moving over and we're going to grow even through the second stage. And we do fall and we do grow and we do fall again. But we learn how to fight some problem. Uh, maybe I have a problem of jealousy. And it's tearing my life apart, and I hear my friends share, and oh, is that how you handle it? And I, I learn how to develop it so I don't get caught into that whole uh, cycle of jealousy and hatred and spiting other people. I learn how I can start loving those very people that I, I was jealous of earlier. And so it's like I've, I've learned how to use God's Word to focus on that and grow. And it's excited me. And it's excited me, so I'm willing to take some of those things I learned, those verses, uh, or just studying God's Word and praying and focusing on God's command and take it into another area. And so in another area I grow and have confidence. So what happens? You learn here, you learn here, you learn here, and you see what's happening? You're learning to the same truths, the 
same process is happening again and again. And so your confidence level is growing and growing. Yes, I know. Sometimes you say, well, but there are some errors. I many years, and I still haven't learned to overcome that anger. It overcomes me. How do I handle that? Uh, so. But the, the confidence comes in because we're starting to see how God regularly works. And it develops an appreciation for God's presence and power in my life. And it gives me confidence to start training others. And God, by the way, is the mentor. He is the great disciple. Every one of us that know him, he's there discipling. So what does it mean that Jesus is our master? It actually means he's shaping each one of our lives, including all our circumstances, everything we go through. You can't separate our life, our jobs, our families, our health, our financial problems, my transport problem. You can't separate that from our lives. God works it as a total, total situation. He's the one that spoke the earth into being. He's the one that sustains it, and he uses it to maximize our opportunity to grow. So when we step back and say, wow, what is he going to teach me today? And all of a sudden, your world of growth widens broadly because you can see that maybe God's going to bring someone into your life. Maybe someone's going to, uh, God's going to bring a struggle uh, in, into your life, and you're going to see, well, how am I going to handle that? Growing in Christ. Okay, so let me just uh, summarize again, uh, review a few questions and add a few more. Why are we not growing? What kind of growth is to actually be expected at this second stage? How can we grow more? How do I handle failure? How can I use what God has given me to help others? And how can I nourish my relationship with God? These are really some good questions. And I hope that you really get a lot of answers by the end of tomorrow. In fact, the first four sessions are basically what I call the foundations. Other sessions that follow, we tap, take that same information and we apply it to different situations, such as overcoming anxiety or discouragement, anger, lust, all those. And we show you how it actually works in those very situations. So it's specialized training uh, in that sense that we're targeting how to use God's Word in our life. And there's going to be several aspects, and, and you'll find out in the first four sessions. Uh, this is the first one. I'm already telling you a few things. Did you notice what I'm telling you, by the way? What am I talking about today in this first session? The little seed. Where it starts by God. And once it starts, it has its purpose, its full design in mind, so you can bear fruit. Can you, can you think of yourself fully mature, God blessing, bringing fruit from your life? That's what he wants. He's dreaming of it. And you need to start dreaming more like that. I know, I know, you, you might be discouraged right now. Lift up your dreams. Because God is a mighty God working in our lives. This is short term. So the lessons we need to learn at this stage are critical, but they should be temporary. In other words, we should be able to learn them and master them and move on. There is no 
struggle that we work with that we should not have victory over. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to be not have any problems. The point is, God's going to enable me, just like Jesus, to handle whether it's an enemy, someone's trying to trick him, uh, no money today, taxes, I do time, <laughs> or whatever it might be. He had to learn how to trust the Father. Short term. And it's gradual. Okay, so even in stage two, though I have a circle, I want you to understand we're growing from one side of the circle to the other side. The first side of the circle, you're going out of the young children. At the end of that stage, you're representing more and more of a father. Now, let me ask you, do you know where, what a young person is? How would you define it? it it's not so easy. In fact, uh, a lot of cultures don't have a word for it. Even this, did you notice the translation? Young men. It's kind of confusing, right? Now, I know in English we use the word teenage and try to box that 13 to 19 in there. It doesn't do too bad. But a lot of languages, it's, you have children, you have fathers, and then the other one is in between. It really is a temporary, temporary stage. Okay, let's go back to hope a little bit. Because I want you to take hope into the very area that you are struggling with most right now. Okay. I want you to invite the Lord in and say, oh, I've been struggling. You know, I want you to bring hope into this very area. Paul said in Romans 8, for in hope we've been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Now, hope and fear, I'm going to put them as opposites. Hope motivates us, but so does fear. But hope motivates us with an expectation of good. But you have a, blossom, a, a flower that's not open yet, or maybe just beginning to open? You know, tomorrow maybe. And, and you're going to see it grow. It's hoping, you know, there's a promise. In other words, well, hope there's promises. The promises give us that extra motivation to focus on some particular issue to remember it in such a way and invite God into that situation. Fear is quite the opposite, isn't it? That's a fear of something bad happening, evil. And it demotivates me. It makes me bring back. If I have fear about my anxiety, fear about disciplining children, I'm going to withdraw because I don't think anything good will come from it. Maybe worse. See the difference? But hope? What does God want? Hope. Lots of hope. Yes. Because God is the God of hope. Okay, so the young believer uses the trust he gained from the first stage. At the first stage, when he was a young child, what happened? Remember what he's supposed to learn? He's discovered what? Love and trust. This is so important. Did you have someone to personally disciple you when you became a believer? If so, you're blessed. You really are. Because it's there you're beginning to learn that 
God loves you. There's someone there to care for you and help you. You envision in your own mind how you're supposed to deal with other new believers yourself. But from a lot of people, they've never learned that. And so when you step into stage two, but do not have that trust developed that's supposed to be there from the first stage, there's problems. And this is where a lot of believers come in. I'll tell you what, for an example. I'm battling with some issue. Maybe it's some getting into a school or finding friends, something like that. Real relevant issue. And, and I pray. But I don't see anything happening. And I start drawing some conclusions. Oh, maybe this faith is either not for me or it doesn't work. And so all of a sudden, you're almost ready to put God out of your situation and just hang on to that problem. You can't throw the problem away. The problem will be there. But God, you shift to the side. The reason is no longer do you really trust him and believe that he's there with you. That doubt that has come in has made it in such a way that it's to the side. And you can't trust him. Now, what's the difference if you trust him? Now, okay, hope against hope. Abraham, well, even though I face trouble, oh, I don't understand what's happening, but I'm going to keep seeking God. Do you see what's happening here? Your trust in God is bringing you through into God's presence again and again until breakthrough comes. There's a lot of signs for maybe people like me, older, that have been Christian a while, but have not learned that trust. I'll talk about a few in, in, for this is a coming lesson. But I, I want us to realize, without that basic layer there, we have a problem. So we have to work on that layer of trust and learn what it is to trust God and His faithfulness. God has equipped us so that we can grow. Okay, think of God as a father. We're the children. We're all children in that way, okay? And does a father want the child to learn how to walk? Sure. Any parent is very proud when the child begins to walk. Is he glad when he begins to get an award because he ran the race the fast? Yeah, he's very glad. Or he's learning to read. Yes. We all, every stage of the development, as in physical life, our Heavenly Father is so excited to see our Christian growth. He never wants us to fail. But even if we do fail, well, I hope your father, your physical life father, even if you fail, you don't do too good on the test. I don't know how he might respond. I know some of us don't have a good father, and I understand it. But can you believe that your Heavenly Father is there to say, well, you could have worked a little harder, but I'm right here to help you do it again. And you'll win this time. You keep moving on. See, God wants our success. It means everything to Him to see us grow into Christ's image. Do you think in the very end age, 
when all of us come before his throne, he's rather chintzy. He has all his awards, but he doesn't really want to pass them out. No, I don't think so. That's not my picture of what I see in heaven. I see he, he's got everything all lined up because he wants to distribute them to all of them. Even in Ephesians, he says he gave us all spiritual gifts. It's a down deposit. Oh, it's just, he's just waiting. But what is he going to award us? You see, the way that we grow, the way we obey, the way we respond, the way we see. Remember, all these things are not to gain, to enter God's family. We entered God's family way back when we believed on Jesus Christ. He forgave us our sin, he gave us eternal life. We became part of his family. This is just talking about growing in his family. Do you ever say this? If I had more money, I could. <laughs> I, I, I've said it quite a few times. Maybe not out loud, but I was thinking. And sometimes with family, sometimes with ministry, uh, you know, sometimes you have something broken, you'd like to get it fixed. It's a, it's a real issue, isn't it? Are you content with where, what God's given you? Yeah, there's a struggle, isn't it? Content. But I won't. <laughs> well, are you content or not? Yeah. Well, we have to struggle with definitions. We have to struggle with what's good and development. No doubt about it. But, you know, can we not step back and say, for right now, Maybe God's going to bless me more in the future. But right now, God wants me to be content with what he's given me. Can you say that? There's a purpose for what I do have or do not have. And when your eyes open up to this fact that God's controlling even these things, you begin to see more of life and can begin to rejoice more. Let's look at this passage from 1 Timothy 6. Verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. That's not where our hope is. If I had money, I could, I would. You know, those kind of things. But on God who richly supplies us with all things. To what? To enjoy. You see, this gives us a good picture of who God is. Don't put your trust on money because that's not going to bring you where God really wants you to be. God, fix your hope on God. He'll bring you to where you need to be. So you can really enjoy things. You can be content where you are and begin to thrive as a believer. I, mean, I don't think the scriptures say, once I get a very good secure job, then I can rejoice always. Once I get a wife or a husband, then I can be thankful and everything. It just doesn't say that, does it? No, 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 it doesn't say that. I think it's talking about right now in all of us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you who are God's will. For you who are in Christ Jesus. See, there's a whole picture here that we miss. We're looking physically at things. We're listening to the world's recommendation and Satan's coming, pumping our mind with all these 
doubts whether God's faithful. And God instead is opening our a whole picture, a whole scene of how well he has taken care of us. I want to do a little training here, okay? Now, still in session one, but we're focusing a little bit of gaining hope. How are you going to gain hope? It's important. Because unless you feed hope into your life, then those doubts are going to come. Now let's look at this verse from Psalm 119, 162. Can you read it with me? I rejoice at thy word as one who finds great spoil. Pretty exciting verse. What if this is the only thing you want? When you opened up and met the Lord in the morning, this is the one verse you studied or it just, true. Okay, I want us to not only pay attention how God speaks to us, I want us to start learning from God's word to anticipate that God is going to speak to us. This is important because remember, we're looking at the confidence of God's word. And I, I know to different degrees you've done this and you've learned this. Just bear with me. Um, I just want to go over some few basic things. So what do we find here? So what is he rejoicing in? At God's word. Okay? But how is he rejoicing? As if he found some great treasure. When you look at God's word, are you anticipating that the almighty God who spoke the worlds into being will speak to you? Open. Dynamic. The living and abiding word of God. The hope is like a cousin to faith. If we don't believe, we will not be blessed. It has a lot to do with that hope where we anticipate that God can, will, and wants to speak to my life. And when that's the case, it changes the way I look at God's Word. I read it once. It doesn't seem like God's speaking. I better read again. God, actually, I need, I need you to speak to me. You see how it's starting to work? I'm, I'm, while I'm reading God's Word, I'm starting to talk to God. I, and actually, I don't want to just read it. I, I need you to speak to me today. I want you, my father, to encourage your child. Do you see the difference? There's some dynamic there. Why? The psalmist hits right on it because there's a treasure there. One of the, sometimes we have special, with eight children, well, at least when they were smaller. Uh, they're getting older, so it's not so exciting anymore. When they're small, you can do all sorts of fun things. But, you know, we have a scavenger hunt. And you put clues all over the house. You know, they run, 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 looking, 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 because you want to get the treasure, whatever it is. And he wants us to anticipate what God will give to us. That's so important. And I've learned that this is one key thing. If we're going to learn how to grow as strong believers, to be an overcomer, we have to start anticipating God's word. Now already, right here, you're going to see that there's a challenge. 
I don't believe God can... Oh, no, I do believe. Okay, this, this is where it's already. I want you to see the challenge. I think God can speak to me. Um, no, he hasn't spoke to me for a long time, I don't think. Do you see the challenge? There's some people that are believing. There's some that are not. Or sometimes in my life, when I'm doing well, I can believe. But when I'm doing poor, no, I don't stay away from God's will. I want you to be alert to how you're responding, okay? Because it's the way you're responding is the way you're going to start building discernment. You need to notice your attitude toward God's word because it makes a great difference. Okay, so let's look at a few verses. I want to just share just how we can look at these verses. Don't look at, don't look at the answers. Okay, I don't want you to look at You can look at the psalm. Okay, so Psalm uh, 119, these are from verse uh, 33. It's just, I just picked out any eight verses there and, and looked at it. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I will observe it to the end. What's the hope there? What is the psalmist expecting? What is his belief about God that's seen through this verse? that God can teach him. And if God teaches him, it's going to help him. Right? So we see here, finds a, wants to find hope in the way that the Lord would teach him. Okay, so already we can think. Now, of course, Psalm 119 is the excellent place to train yourself about the Word of God. Because almost every verse has the word or a similar uh, synonym to it in the verse, all throughout Psalm 119. Okay, let's do another one. Give me understanding that I may observe thy law and keep it with all my heart. What is he anticipating? Understanding, right? God is there, not only there, but he is able to give me understanding that will help me carry out God's word. So sometimes we don't understand it. Can we not quote the psalmist right here? Give me understanding, Lord. <laughs> yeah, we need it. We need it. Let's just do a few more. Make me walk in the path of thy commandments, for I delight in it. And God has a way of helping us to stay on his path. And God's there. Do you ever need God's help to stay on the path? Here's your fierce enemy coming up. It's not really an enemy, but it's someone who gossips against you. It's like an enemy. And you just feel like, Ugh. Lord, make me walk in the path of thy commandments to love one another. You see, we need God's help sometimes. Incline my heart to thy testimonies and not to dishonest gain. God has a part in helping us to respond to him. Verse 37. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in my ways. I get caught up in the world. I look at these things. And it's like God's getting more and more vague going away. I need him to revive me. 
See, each one of these can become a prayer. Each one of them, you see, the psalmist has a hope in God, some way that he'd intervene, work in his life. This is part of the training we need for this confidence in God's Word. And you can practice during a sermon time, a training time, your own devotional time. I want you to be aware of what God's Word is and what is He trying to get you to hope or how to respond to God. Here's another one, Psalm 38, verse 38. Establish thy word to thy servant. Make it significant to my life. I think that's a translation. Establish thy word to thy servant. We don't usually talk that way. But somehow, make it my foundational point. Make me so I can go deeper? Sure. And turn away my shame that I have from others? Can God step in? Yeah, he can step in. Behold, I long for thy precepts. Revive me through thy righteousness. He hopes that God's truth will revive and encourage him. Yeah. Now what do you want in your life? We just talked about a lot of these. Can you latch onto one of them? Say, Lord, I need you to protect me. I need you to take me back out of that world. I'm looking at the vanity. I'm too far from you. I'm going to reviving love. Or I just need to understand things more. I don't know what it is. But you see, what we want to do is make sure every time we come near God's Word, what we're going to do is make sure it's touching our lives. And this is the way it is. We're paying attention to what's happening and we're connecting it with our own life, with our own hopes, with how God works in our life. These are easier verses to do this with. There are some passages that are harder. You can't go by verse by verse. Usually you have to take a whole paragraph. That's okay. That's for another study. As I said, maybe you've already studied some of these things. But I, I do want to encourage you. We have to gain more and more hope from God's Word. Because Satan is just pouring doubt into our minds. Really is. Okay, one more. Quick lesson. All right. We'll finish this first session. Scriptures often have a promise. What is a promise? It's like a hope. Okay? Some promises have a condition. That means you have to do something before you get it. All right, let's look at a few of those. They're a little bit different. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths strict good. You know this verse. Uh, what's the promise? He will make your path straight. Now, don't confuse the condition with the promise. The promise, he's going to make my path straight. Right, let's put that in our own language. What does that mean? Make our path straight. Where I come from, that would be terrible because we would crash. Our roads are like this. We have valleys. We have rivers where I come from. We, we don't have straight roads. Nobody has a, a flat yard. Everyone has... Like this. So, but what does it mean? Let's see. Okay, translate it in my own language. Say it in your own words. He will make my path straight. He will make everything work out okay. I'm just trying. Okay? And uh, you, there's a lot of ways you can do that. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the condition, right? Okay, so if I trust the Lord with all my heart, He will faithfully guide me if I trust him. 
Okay? So that's just kind of a way to summarize it. But I'm, I'm just trying to identify you. There's a promise, and a lot of verses do have promises. Practice going through the Psalms and Proverbs, and you'll see them all. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. What's the promise? God's near. Yeah, you got it. Great. Is there any condition? Call upon him. Right. How near is he? Very near if I call upon him. I remember once, uh, well, I've done this more than once, but I, during emergencies in our home, we have maybe out of money or whatever. I got eight children, and so all right, I said, everybody line up. You know, we make a big circle. We hold hands, and I tell them what we're going to cry out to God for. Lord, help us! <laughs> we actually do this, by the way. Hopefully not too often, because I never like going through this stuff either. And I'm just testing it out. Does it work? Does it work? And of course, my kids are like this. They're laughing too, you know, because this is different. And, uh, but, you know, all through that week, they're looking and they see how God provides. See, this isn't just words. It's from, and maybe in this case, I forget who wrote this song, but it's from like maybe David, who the enemy was coming in. He needed to call upon God to intervene in a special way. Now, did you ever think, why didn't God help him first? He wanted that condition there. Why would he want you to call on him? Why? Have you ever called on him? Do you have some real tough problem right now? You just go somewhere. In another room, we'll understand if we hear a noise back there. <laughs> but, you know, call out to the Lord. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. What's the promise? All these things. Yeah. All these things shall be added. In other words, what you need in life to get by, maybe not all your wants, but all your needs, God will take care of you. But, of course, the condition's there, right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All right. You, you, I think you're all on the right page here and learning very well. I already know this. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. Are there any promises here? He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. And I don't see any particular condition here. But do you see what's there? There's a promise there. This is the kind of verse to use when you just failed. You didn't do very well. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Page 9, I believe. There's no actual page number on it. but I hope at some point you can do that and fill it in, and I'll show you how to uh, correct that later. But I do uh, want you to pay attention that it, it goes from a range, one to seven, like the first one. Do you tend to worry? One, not at all. Seven, on the other extreme, always. And then three and five are kind of in between. So circle one of them, okay? And just go through there and circle them. And one day I'll try to get with you. And so do your best. If you run into one where you don't understand it, just go on to the next one. Don't worry about it, okay? 
All right, so let's just think about some life application. God is helping me to grow. God is helping all of us to grow. It's his life force. It's the flow. It, he makes it easy when I go along with him. But he's also making it, as I learn things, he's making it so I can learn to help others grow. This is establishing hope. Let me just summarize some of the principles. God births spiritual life into us through faith in Christ and his word. And the Holy Spirit is that life-giving force. Just growing and growing. God carefully tends for the development of this new life in every believer. There are three stages. Your physical life, otherwise life. God is establishing hope in each of us so that we can grow, that we can thrive. We might be a little seed, but he envisions us growing and bearing fruit. In other words, we are going to be a blessing to others. That's how God wants to work in us. Identify the area that you need to work in, that hope, or any area of hopelessness. Make sure, God, you speak to me. Okay. So I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your marvelous and wonderful ways of working in our life. We don't know why you would ever choose us to be a person that you would want to initiate your love and faithfulness to. But Lord, here we are. Some of us have been growing. Some of us have not been growing too well. We ask in the great name of Jesus to come in, O oh Lord, and open our eyes up to see the way that you want to establish our hope that we can grow to the fullness of Christ. We have lots of things to learn from your word every day. Teach us from your word. Then we will walk in the way of your commandments. We thank you that you're faithful. Lord, if there's any brothers or sisters right now that need to cry out to you, Lord, we pray on their behalf. Help them that all the more they might gain a stronger faith by being close to them. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This concludes the first lesson on establishing hope, part of reaching beyond mediocrity, being an overcomer by Paul Bucknell. Produced by Biblical Foundations for Freedom, www.foundationsforfreedom.net. Releasing God's truth to a new generation.